The Seahawks fell just short in their preseason opener, a 32-25 loss to the Steelers, but there was plenty to be excited about on the offensive side of the football. Nick Lee and I are going to be breaking it all down on our Monday installment of Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings 12, this is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks, back after a five-day hiatus, decided to put a ring on it this weekend and got that taken care of, really had a great time, fantastic day at Gorge Crest Vineyard's outstanding facility, so really excited to have an awesome wedding, family and friends around. Nick, I, you know, unfortunately I had to invite you. So you were one of our groomsmen, but really excited about that. And what I'm really most excited about though, I've had four and a half days without football, Nick. And after about three days, it started to really become a problem. So we are back here on Locked on Seahawks, our Monday episode. Finally, an opportunity for you and I to tackle the preseason opener on Saturday night. The Seahawks came up just short, but Wins and losses in the preseason don't matter. It's really looking at individual players, and there was a lot to be excited about coming out of this game. So we're going to be looking at the offensive side of the football today, some key takeaways, as well as our three-up, three-down segment, which offensive players helped their cause, which ones didn't help their cause in this preseason opener. A lot of analysis coming your way here on our Monday edition. Now for your lead story here on Locked on Seahawks. Before we get to Saturday's preseason opener, this time of year, Nick, there's not normally a lot of trades. You usually have to wait till the end of the month when teams are trying to get their rosters down to 53 players and you see some swaps. But occasionally there will be a trade midway through camp, and the Seahawks happen to be involved in one of them today, sending cornerback Ugo Amadi to the Philadelphia Eagles for receiver J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. And Nick, some of our listeners may know that name because, unfortunately for Philadelphia, they picked him a few picks before D.K. Metcalf went to the Seahawks in the 2019 draft. And he's got 16 catches for 290 yards and a touchdown in his resume in three full seasons. It didn't work out. But now the Seahawks are going to see if maybe a change of scenery can turn things around for a player that certainly got some talent. Yeah, my dad's from Philly. Uh, my, my my two brothers are really big Eagles fans. They, for the, he is most famous for the the guy they took instead of DK Metcalf <laughs> in, in uh, Eagles land. That that is uh, that is what JJ Arcega Whiteside is known for, unfortunately. But now they're both on the same team, at least temporarily. Um, yeah, for, for this, you know, the Eagles desperately needed a wide receiver back then. Chose him, obviously uh, selected the wrong one. And at least for now, Metcalf and Arcega Whiteside are on the same team. Um, and I thought it was interesting, Corbin, that uh, our Sega Whiteside actually switched to tight end um, this this uh, offseason and into training camp. He's been taking snaps at tight end. They liked his versatility. And um, I, from what I've read, the Seahawks mostly view him as a receiver. Um, I think he I, he was originally listed at 6'2", 225. And this camp, uh, the roster that the Eagles put out, he was at 6'2", 237. So he put on just over 10 pounds. Um, so assuming, uh, you know, expecting that tight end role. So I think the Seahawks maybe like that, you know, we, we know that Pete Carroll and the staff enjoy the, the versatility. I know that they might view him more as a receiver. I think there might be a bit more room in the receiver area, but honestly, not much on either side. This is very much an audition. Nothing, nothing absolutely is guaranteed 
uh, with our Sega White side. It's it's going to be an audition. It's going to be a battle. Obviously, you got Metcalf and Lockett up top. Um, and as far as size goes, you know, Tyler Mabry is, I think, the next smallest tight end at 6'3", 247. So he's got an inch and 10 pounds on our Sega White side. So I think he's very much a receiver in this system. And yeah, with, with, you got Metcalf, Lockett, you got Eskridge is still trying to get back on the field. D. Eskridge, the second rounder from last year. Dariq Young, we're going to talk a bit about him. You know, he's certainly got uh, some momentum. And Bo Melton, too, they, they like what they got. And don't forget about Freddie Swain, Penny Hart. And unfortunately, Cody Thompson just went on IR. But that receiver room is pretty crowded, and it gets crowded more with our Sega Whiteside. And this is very much an audition. Not Nothing, absolutely nothing is guaranteed to him. Yeah, this is one of those classic mid-training camp flyers on a former high draft pick that just didn't work out with his original team. And I can tell you, Arcega Whiteside was a player the Seahawks were very high on coming out of Stanford in that 2019 draft. Now, obviously, they're thrilled they got DK Metcalf instead, but this is a guy with his size at 6'2", 237. That's a big-bodied receiver, but that's a smaller tight end, especially for the way the Seahawks use their tight ends. I can't see them listing him as a tight end. Maybe that's what they'll choose to do. If that's the case, he's going to have to try to surpass Tyler Mabry on this depth chart, as you mentioned. There is no guarantee. In fact, I would say that he is somewhat a long shot here to make this roster. But I think the bigger storyline here is who the Seahawks traded away to get him because this looks like one of those classic trades where it's two teams that have a player that they're just looking to move on from. And they're swapping, seeing if the guy they get back in return can make their football team. And Ugo Amadi, unfortunately, despite the fact the last three years that he stepped in two of those seasons and played a lot of snaps for an injured Marquise player. He's played a lot in the slot. He's played some safety. He's been a really good special teams player. He was down at the bottom of the depth chart all of training camp. He was playing almost exclusively with the third team defense. And, and I remember watching some of these practices and feeling like he's in the last year of his rookie contract. He's not getting reps at slot corner to speak of. He's playing as a third team safety. That cannot be good for his prognosis moving into this season. And sure enough, the Seahawks decided to ship him out of town. That tells you that they think Justin Coleman's potentially going to be making this football team. Marquise Blair playing the slot. And really, maybe the bigger storyline here, Nick, just the style defense are going to be playing. You expect you're going to see Josh Jones, a healthy Ryan Neal, both those guys on the field as third safeties, maybe even fourth safeties with Sean Desai being involved. I just don't know that they're going to use a traditional slot corner as much as maybe they've done in the past. If they do, they're comfortable with Justin Coleman or Marquise Blair playing that role, and they're going to be mixing in those other safeties as the third and fourth defensive backs. And so scheme change, it just wasn't a good fit anymore. Wasn't having a great training camp either. End of the rookie deal. Let's just see if we can get somebody else in return for him in Arcelia Whiteside that maybe, just maybe, can still be a good addition to this football team just getting out of Philadelphia and getting a fresh start. Yeah, both teams, you know, it could be a classic change of scenery. Um, I'm not going to sit here and blow smoke and say J.J. Arcega Whiteside is going to make this team and make a big splash <laughs> this year, especially given the situation at quarterback that the Seahawks have. But, um, yeah, for Ugo Amadi, you know, I'm not going to kick a guy out the door um certainly he, he made some impact plays and it was a versatile player but yeah with the fit the defensive scheme five a five nine 200 pound guy um it, it just it doesn't have the size for you know the big the big nickel the third safety um that the seahawks might want to run this year so um just the fit wasn't there and the, the two sides just met up and, and made a deal and swapped flyers pretty much and there's no guarantee obviously 
that Ugo Amadi is going to make the, the Eagles. I think um, I'm just getting some insider info from my brother and, and, my, and my, my dad. They're, they're, they're really looking for anything to, to bolster that defense. They're really excited about the defense um, with the draft picks, but that, you know, Ugo Amadi certainly is going to get a shot. He definitely will get a more of a shot. And I think both sides thought the guy they're getting has at least a bet, a better shot at fitting their current system than the guy they gave away. Yeah, and these are both guys that are at the end of their rookie contracts. And so if you end up not liking what you see, you can just cut bait. And there's a chance the Seahawks might have done that with Ugo Amadi anyway, given the uh, secondary depth that they have at safety and at corner. He might not have made this football team anyway. So why not trade him for another guy to a different position that maybe just maybe, if you kick the tires just right, can contribute for you and maybe be a surprise. If not, nothing lost. You would have released the player that you traded for him probably anyway. So this is a true, you know, audition. It's a true opportunity for a player like our Sega Whiteside to try to show he can make it work with another team. The Seahawks, they're not going to be looking for him to necessarily jump in and be a star, but maybe just maybe he can make things work out. As you mentioned, there were a few other moves today. Cody Thompson going on injured reserve with a shoulder injury. So he is done for the 2022 season, will not be making the 53-man roster. He was injured while run blocking early in Saturday's preseason game. And Seattle's down to 86 players. They will not have to make another move because one of those is Aaron Doncor, and they have an exemption on him. But the players they waived today, cornerback Josh Valentine-Turner, defensive tackle Antonio Valentino, guard Eric Wilson, and receiver Deontes Alexander. So again, those four players being waived. And Cody Thompson going to injured reserve. The Seahawks are down to 86 players, with one of them being an exemplist player in Aaron Doncor. So they won't have to make any more moves before tomorrow's deadline. They are down to the effective number of players for their second preseason game that will be coming up on Thursday. Before we move forward to that second preseason game against the Bears, we haven't talked about the first preseason game yet, and I'll take the blame for that with my wedding happening this past weekend. But certainly I wouldn't have changed anything that happened the last four days. Nick and I are going to be breaking down everything that took place on the offensive side of the football in Saturday's preseason opener when we return. Life can be full of challenges. Recently, I made a difficult decision to resign from a job, and fortunately, I had quality people around me to talk things through with when I needed it most and help me make the right decision for myself and my family, but that's not always the case, and life can be full of twists and turns, so it's important to show yourself through it all. BetterHelp Online Therapy will assess your needs and can match you with your own licensed professional therapist in less than 48 hours. Therapy worked wonders for me, but don't just take my word for it. Having someone in your corner to guide you when you're struggling to navigate obstacles can be invaluable. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online, available to people worldwide. With therapy, it can take a few tries to find the right fit for you. BetterHelp is a great way to invest in yourself, and BetterHelp has a special offer for our listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn. Again, that's 10% off your first month of online therapy at BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Monday edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith, back in action after a short hiatus. With me tonight, my co-host, Nick Lee. Thanks, as always, for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen Five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. Let's get to Saturday's preseason opener. I had to wait a few days. I had a mini moon, not my full honeymoon yet, but a mini moon the last couple days. Finally had an opportunity today to watch the preseason game in full. And even though the Seahawks lost to the Steelers 32 to 25, preseason final scores at the end of the day don't matter. It's what you see from individual players. And 
On the offensive side of the football, even with a slow start, Nick, I felt like there was a lot to be excited about. I think we'd be remiss not to start with the play of Drew Locke. I know he had a fumble at the end of the game that was a costly turnover, but up to that point, he was the quarterback that got the Seahawks back in this football game and in a position to win it. And I just thought you saw the physical tools he brings to the table that, to me, give him an edge over Geno Smith, at least in that capacity. Geno did a good job protecting the football and being the caretaker of the offense, but you saw some of those ooh-and-ah type plays that Drew Locke is capable of making this game and really got the offense moving. Yeah, once again, you know, we, we saw that in the mock game as well, where the offense just looked a little bit more dynamic with Drew Locke under center. And um, it, it's he's definitely more high-risk, high-reward. Geno Smith has the higher floor. Drew Locke has the higher ceiling. Which one do you want this year? That's that's pretty much what it comes down to. Yep. We know what Geno Smith is. He's more or less captain checkdown, which has its time and place for sure. Um, but Gino, or, uh, Drew Locke is a bit more of a gunslinger and, and has that that deep ball or that, that explosiveness and some athleticism to go with it. Um, and, and that arm talent, I think, is also there, at least a, a little bit and maybe more so than, than Geno Smith. So um, it's really what do you want this year? What I really one of my favorite plays of, of the uh, of the year or of the year of the preseason game was Drew Locke's fitting in that that tight window to Derek Young, that touchdown pass. Yeah, um, that, that was just a great I just, you know, five wide third and goal in the short and that, that's sometimes a tough place to go a tough place to throw and and he fit into a nice window put it in a nice place um, where it could be safely caught um but again the caveat here is neither quarterback face you know tj watt minkif minkif fitzpatrick and all these guys you know um <laughs> i read a football outsiders article and they said uh, that the the seahawks quarterbacks face quote the future substitute teachers of allegheny county Unquote. It's what uh, is what they, their words, not mine. So don't get mad at me. Um, that is the the, the level of, of competition that they saw um, that the C, the Seahawks quarterbacks played. So there there is a bit of grain of salt, a little bit of a caveat there. But Drew Locke overall, I thought, brought more to the offense. Yeah, both quarterbacks had very similar numbers. Locke was 11 for 15, 102 yards. Smith 10 for 15, 101, and he had a rushing touchdown. So I think you saw some moxie from Geno Smith in this game, especially after a couple drives that stalled out. They had they were moving the ball some, but they just couldn't get past midfield. And then you saw him start to put some points on the board late in the first half. Drew Locke comes in and has a dump off to DJ Dallas that goes for 17 yards for one of his touchdowns. The other one, as you mentioned, to me was the best throw he made. Those throws inside the five-yard line are really difficult because it's so congested, and yet you could see the arm strength there, and there was some accuracy there to put in a position where Jarek Young was going to be able to catch that ball, not the defender. I thought the defender was in decent position, but again, a really good throw there. So I think that if we're looking at preseason scores, both these guys were playing against backups. To me, it was pretty even in terms of competition they're going up against. Maybe Drew Locke, you know, third and fourth stringers. There's a little bit of a decline there, but these are NFL caliber players you're going against their reserves. And I don't think there was a big difference in competition. So I'm giving Drew Locke the win in this particular game. As you mentioned, the competition's got to be taken into account, but my biggest takeaway from this game on offense, I thought Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas both played really good football. Charles Cross didn't allow a single pressure, and sometimes pro football focus and I disagree on these stats because pressures are subjective. But going back and watching the film a couple times around, like there's not even a play that I thought, you know, that might be a pressure. Charles Cross 
looked like the player he's been advertised to be in pass protection, even if it was against second, third stringers, maybe those future substitute teachers in Allegheny County rushing off the edge. Charles Cross looked like a stud left tackle in pass protection. And Abraham Lucas, what about that pancake to start his NFL career? You had all these questions about his ability to run block coming from Washington State, and all he does is fire out of his three-point stance and just drive a defender into the turf, make him part of the grass. Might have been able to plant some seed with his body the way he implanted him there. I just thought both guys played fantastic football. I had Lucas down for one pressure allowed. I thought these two looked fantastic. It's just one game. It's the preseason opener. They're going to play a lot better players here in coming weeks, but I think that he took a big step forward. Abraham Lucas did winning that job at right tackle. And clearly Charles Cross is going to be the starter, but you got to be happy with what you saw from him there. Yeah, Abe Lucas, I think, got the third highest PFF grade of the day for the Seahawks, 81.5. So, um, yeah, I saw some some pancake gifts, you know, pouring the syrup on there on the Seahawks Twitter going on with, with that. I, I really like to see that. Um, and I also, yeah, obviously it's very encouraging. We really want to see these two rookie tackles. I think we both can agree if those two take a stronghold on the starting positions and move forward, I think that's the most optimal scenario. Jake Curran might have a thing to say or two, a thing or two to say about that on the right side. Um, and also, I want to go back to Derek Young. Um, just some of the plays he made and getting in position that touchdown pass by Drew Locke. There's something to be said about the way he kind of angled his body to make that catch and and screen and, and make that touchdown catch. And that just wasn't the only thing. And I was actually watching it. Um, at the wedding, <laughs> um, or not at the wedding. I, I overheard you and Rob both during we're, the wedding. Yeah, Rob Rang and I are sitting there. what my wife told me to do, and you I had good. my phone up in the suite the entire night to make sure I didn't do it. But, yes, I was eavesdropping a little bit while I was oh, talking yes. to people. And you guys yeah, were giving tidbits <laughs> while the wedding was going on. Yeah, Rob and I were in the corner of the reception. You know, you know, things have kind of settled down. We're eating dinner, and I got the phone in there. And that that, that play comes on with Drew Lock connecting with Derek Young. We both look at each other like, dang, that was a good throw. And Derek Young, okay, all right, all right, kid. And we both started talking about perhaps what where he could fit in the future of this this lineup at receiver. So Derek Young, I think he had four catches for 30 yards, if I'm not mistaken, touchdown there. Um, big statement. I think both rookie uh, both rookie receivers, Bo Melton we can get into a little bit later, um, both rookie receivers I thought showed out well. Yeah, I think we got to give a shout-out to Derek Young just because he has been – one of the constants throughout training camp and to carry it over into his first preseason game. And I know this Monday night, and I know that I have been gone for the last four and a half days. So maybe it is not the time and place for me to dish out a hot take, but you know what? The hell with it. I'm going to anyway. This is not saying that D Eskridge, his time in Seattle is done far from it. I think if the kid can get healthy, that he can still be an impact player, but I'm going to go ahead and say this right now. I think Derek Young has a higher ceiling than D. Eskridge. Now, I think Eskridge has the higher floor. He's coming, he came into the league as a second round pick that played at the senior bowl. He played at a division one school. He played some good teams in the Midwest, played some Big Ten schools and put up some big numbers. But Derek Young is coming from a division two school. He is bigger at 6'2, 225 pounds. He's almost as fast, a 4'4 guy at that size. He's nearly two full years younger. He's a better run blocker. He's got more special teams versatility. I'm starting to wonder, can he run routes better at this point? Because I just haven't seen enough of D. Eskridge on the field. I mean, I think he's played like six training camp practices in two years. 
I just haven't had a chance to truly evaluate him. So I'm not saying this to just pile it on D. Eskridge because I do think that he has big-time talent, but we have not seen it. He can't get on the field. I have been really impressed by what I've seen with Dariq Young, and the thing is, he's a D2 guy that's coming to the NFL. He's got that huge learning curve, and for him to be where he's at now, I think that this is a really big deal for the Seahawks, especially with now Cody Thompson being out of that mix competition-wise. I think Dariq Young has put himself squarely on the right side of the bubble and it might not even be close at this point. He might be on this football team now already after one preseason game. Yeah, the emergence of Derek Young might have doomed J.J. Arcega-Whiteside before it even began. <laughs> I mean, unfortunately for him. But, yeah. Well, those two aren't even similar athletic-wise. No, I mean, Derek no, no, no. Young is a freak. And Arcega-Whiteside, he's an average athlete. Yeah, and it was funny that just the draft pedigree in each one. And, you know, one played at Stanford, one didn't play Power 5 or, or FBS for that matter. Um, another one I want to touch on quickly, I know you're really excited about this, is DJ Dallas. Holy cow. He is just running with a different or different, you know, reckless abandon. He had a, an 18-yard rush, a 17-yard catch, I think 90 total yards. He was just running like an angry man or starving man after a Christmas ham or something. DJ, the bowling ball. That is what he has been all of training camp. And, and even the practice he got ejected from, which he shouldn't have done what he did. I mean, he blindside hit Bubba Bolden, the undrafted rookie out of Miami. And this was after Bolden helmet to helmet on Travis Homer, his running back teammate. So it was a trio of hurricanes that were involved in this incident. But even that, you know, you, you can you can administer the punishment. You're done practicing the rest of the day. But it's like you just love the mentality that DJ Dallas brings. And I think everybody's kind of forgotten about him because you've got Rashad Penny. And obviously, he's dealing with a minor injury right now. It doesn't sound like it's anything significant. But you've got him. You've got Ken Walker the third who they're excited about. But DJ Dallas has been fantastic all of training camp. He's been making big runs every day. He's running with power. He's running with quickness. It looks like there's just a tiny bit more burst. He's never going to be an elite speed guy out of the backfield, but he's fast enough, and he's got that one-two when it comes to breaking tackles and physicality. He has come in fantastic shape, and he's also an outstanding receiver, and he's going to continue to make an impact there. Travis Homer's had a good camp too, but, but I think DJ Dallas – has separated himself a bit from his former Miami teammate and current Seahawks teammate. So uh, a really big preseason debut for DJ Dallas. I'm excited to see what he does the rest of the preseason because you know he and Homer are going to get plenty of carries. Ken Walker the third, Rashad Penny. We probably won't see Penny the rest of the preseason, to be honest. They're going to keep him in bubble wrap. Let's make sure he's ready to play the Broncos in week one. But a lot to be fired up with the way that Dallas ran the football and just that mentality that he plays the game with. We're going to wrap up the show here in a moment with our three up, three down. And usually we look at offense and defense, but there's so much to take away from this preseason opener that this is going to be strictly offense. We'll do three up, three down tomorrow on the defensive side of the football. Who are the greatest standouts and which players left something to be desired on Saturday night in the Steel City? We'll get to that here in a moment. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, and combat sports. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Monday edition. Back in the saddle again, I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me for tonight's show, my co-host, Nick Lee. Thanks, as always, for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, 
Google Podcasts, or watching video form on YouTube. We greatly appreciate it. Let's get to our three up, three down segment, and we're going to do it on offense today. Defense will be covered on tomorrow's show. I'm going to throw the mic to you first, Nick. Uh, You didn't get to do that at my wedding, but I'm going to throw the mic to you here first. Who is the number one winner in your mind on offense coming out of this first preseason game for the Seahawks? Well, the number one winner, I think, just overall, um, is a guy that has kind of flown on the radar a little bit, unless you've been really paying attention in camp, and that's guard Phil Haynes. Phil Haynes has actually earned, if if you are a big pro football focus guy, I know, Corbin, you're kind of hot and cold there, but he actually garnered the highest grade of anyone on the Seahawks during this preseason game, a 90.6. And uh, I was listening to to the softy on 950 um, earlier, and Hugh Millen was on and said that uh, Phil Haynes looks like a starting guard in the NFL. Just looks like it, looks the part, looks like he's got that it factor and has really made a step in the right direction this year. And you could see it in the preseason game. Obviously, there's still some, you know, some learning to do, but he, he's got enough of that experience and, and really with it, health willing. I know that's kind of been the big thing with him. If he can yeah. stay healthy and stay on this trajectory, he's going to unseat somebody um, at, at the guard position or at least uh, make make one of the two guards, uh, probably Gabe Jackson, very uncomfortable because he really has looked that good. Yeah, I think that the fire is slowly creeping up on Gabe Jackson because, and this is not saying that Gabe Jackson has come in and had a bad camp. I think Gabe Jackson looks much better than last year. I think he came in better shape. He had surgery on his knee, and it looks like whatever they corrected has been fixed. They're taking it easy on him workload-wise because he's a veteran, Uh, but the Seahawks have been happy with what they've seen. I think he looks good out there, but Phil Haynes – maybe has been the best guard the Seahawks have in their roster in training camp in the preseason. I mean, Damian Lewis looks good too. I mean, they've got a lot of talent at that position that really fits what they want to do. But I think Phil Haynes, that basketball background that he has, the movement skills at 322, 325 pounds that Gabe Jackson at this point of his career just does not have. I feel like if you're going to be running a lot of mid zone, which we know the Seahawks are going to be doing, it's not that Gabe Jackson can't block those plays because he can but I feel like your ceiling, especially with a younger guy like Phil Haynes, who hasn't played a lot of NFL snaps, would probably be higher. So, yeah, he's a guy that jumped out to me. I thought the offensive line as a whole, for the most part, played pretty well on Saturday night. And it's a preseason game. You can't put too much stock in it. But Seahawks fans should be, you know, cautiously optimistic about the way that front line played. And there's some good young talent. And I think Phil Haynes has to be included in that. I have to put Drew Locke as my big winner. And I know that it's just a preseason game. I know I mentioned earlier the mistake at the end of the game, fumbling away that drive was a killer uh, turnover. But again, you're seeing the upside that Drew Locke brings to the table that Geno Smith simply is not going to bring to your offense. And there's always going to be that, but he might turn around and throw an interception caveat because he is a bit of a riverboat gambler. I have seen improvement already in camp, though, with his decision-making. The practices I've watched, I thought he did a good job of making smart decisions, throwing the football in the preseason game. So you're seeing those improvements. It seems like he's getting the offense down. He just he gives you the ability to do some things that Geno Smith just isn't going to do. If you want to really protect the football and you want the guy that's more familiar with the offense, then Geno Smith is your guy But I feel like right now that momentum is starting to change. And at some point, we're going to see a difference on the practice field. Drew Locke, they've got to see what he can do with the ones. 
And maybe this second preseason game, they will let him do that. Maybe he'll play with the first unit. But I think Drew Locke was the big winner from this football game. And I think you and I would both agree one other big winner. I know you and I both had the same player on our list. We had different guys otherwise. But Bo Melton, I've been very hard on Bo Melton the first couple of weeks just because he hadn't done much in the practice field. And not all of it was his fault. Drew Locke overthrew him in the mock scrimmage. That would have been a 60-plus yard touchdown reception for Bo Melton. He had the corner burned on a, on a plate with butter and syrup. I mean, he had the touchdown catered for Drew Locke, and he just didn't finish off the throw. And there's been a few other times there have been misfires, but he's had issues dropping the football. He did have a drop in this preseason game, but still, he led the team in receiving yards. You can see the athleticism. You can see the ability to move him around the field, the formational flexibility, a better route runner than you would anticipate. Coming from Rutgers, just didn't have the quarterback to throw to him. So I think this was a good stepping stone for him. He hasn't had a great first camp, but maybe he can get momentum out of this, especially with Thompson being hurt now. Maybe both these rookies, Derek Young and Bo Melton, can make a push for this roster. Now, my hot take for the night is I think they both will. I really do. I, I think I, I'm trying not to put too much stock in one game. And and yeah, exactly. We're all victim. You know, we, we've been starving for football for months and months and months, and we finally get it. We're going to overreact. It's natural. Um, but, you know, 23.5 yards per reception doesn't hurt. No. <laughs> um, and the, the first play for Drew Locke in the entire game is a 39-yard reception for Bo Melton. Um, so maybe there's a little chemistry there. And yeah, if I had one one critique and and you know from the quarterback situation and how they approached it, I really wish they would alternate drives. I know they want to create some sort of continuity and rhythm, but just with the 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 support staff that both quarterbacks got, a little bit of difference there, and also the difference yeah. in competition that they both faced. I did see a few smattering of starters um, for the Steelers defense. You know, Miles Jack is uh, you know, pretty darn good football player was out there a little bit. Um, a few other guys. So Geno Smith did face slightly stiffer competition and had slightly better supporting cast around him. But um, Bo Melton was a guy that, that shined um, and, and took the opportunity. The best you can do, whether you're facing the threes, the fours, the starters, whoever, the future substitute teachers of, insert county, whatever. <laughs> um, the best you can do is take advantage of the situation you're given. And Bo Melton did that. Let's flip gears here now. Three ups been covered. Now let's talk three down. Players that didn't help their cause in this game. And, and I'm just outright going to start with a player that I was disappointed with how he played on Saturday night, just because my expectations are through the roof. Given his height, I mean, he should be breaking through the roof at six foot seven. But Colby Parkinson, we've got to see what he's doing on the practice field translate to games. I just haven't seen it. And again, three targets, one catch for five yards. Don't put all the blame on him. Obviously, the quarterback's got to get the football to him. But at the same time, it just doesn't seem like he shows up in these games. And I thought his run blocking was subpar in this game. And the Seahawks have been talking him up. He's gained weight. He's gained muscle. He's going to be a well-rounded tight end that we can move around, that can play in line, we can play in the slot. I didn't see that on Saturday night. In the practices, I have seen that. And it's one game, again, like you said, even plus side, you can't take too much stock in one game. Same thing for the you know the negative side. Kobe Parkinson could go out and have a great game Thursday night, and we're having a much different discussion. But we have not seen the practice version of Kobe Parkinson show up in games and now with J.J. Arcega-Whiteside coming into town, and you know if he ends up being a decent tight end for him and gets off to a fast start, there's not going to be any job jeopardy for Colby Parkinson yet. But, I mean, at some point, it's put up or shut up. you got to start producing in-game situations, and he simply has not done that. 
Yeah, Kobe Parkinson actually received the third worst pro football focus grade of this game at 53.1. Was. Um, yeah, so he, he's – and he's got Jimmy Graham size. He does. And it's just unfortunately – so far, he hasn't produced that, you know, maybe Jimmy Graham is a better athlete, but uh, he has that size. Um, for me, another one that I, if, if you've been following me or if you've been following the shows where I'm on and we talk about offense, you're going to get annoyed. You're going to roll your eyes. The center position. Austin Blythe is a bit down. He didn't have a horrendous game because, you know, he wasn't he wasn't being blown off the line of scrimmage every time. The offensive line uh, generally had a decent game and included, you know, Austin Blythe in some parts. Um, but one play in particular, I cannot remember the exact situation and what when it was. It was a third and one or third and two, and they tried to run right up the gut. And Austin Blythe was either it was late and whiffed on a block that that ended up getting the play completely blown up, and, and they had to punt. Um, so we can't have that. That's that's just not something that you want your starting center to do. I understand, you know, there's maybe some blitz timing that the Steelers just made a good play. There's part of that too. Um, but it just didn't look good. He he was late to, to his spot, and the guy that looked like he was supposed to be blocking blew up the play. Now, I wasn't in the headset. I can't really say 100% that was his fault, but it just the optics didn't look great. Um, and I'm going to be hard on him. I'm going to be hard on him all season because I think the Seahawks have a problem at center. I really do. Yeah. I, that's, I, don't, I, I feel like sometimes I'm a bit alone in that. <laughs> I feel like, at least in our circles, we kind of agree, but I haven't seen a lot of outcry um, otherwise. Uh, with Austin Blythe and you know he's done some good things but for me um, I just got to see more especially as we're ushering in this new era of Seahawks football I would love to see them shore up not just the offensive line but the spearhead of the offensive line at center well, let's go to the outside because again very similar to you know our three up you and I had different lists except for one player and that would be Penny Hart on the outside and I have been an avid supporter of Penny Hart dating back to Georgia State. I, I think that he's a really good football player. I think he belongs in the NFL roster. But we've mentioned the play of these rookies coming in. Bo Melton just starting to figure things out. Dariq Young has been one of the standouts all of training camp in this preseason opener. You're not going to be able to keep more than five or six receivers. You've got Freddie Swain. You still believe D. Eskridge is going to be back. Maybe this week he's back on the field and he can get him out there for the second preseason game. So with that depth, the talent they have there, Penny Hart has been able to get onto the 53-man roster and play in most of the games the last two years. Right now, I think he is on the wrong side of the bubble, and he didn't do anything to help himself out of this game. Had two catches for three yards on three targets. And he's been pretty quiet most of training camp, too. And that has been a big difference from the last two years. I think the main reason he's been on this football team the last two years, he has consistently been a great practice player I can count on one hand the number of times that I've been like, yo, Penny Hart made that catch there. He just hasn't been involved in the offense much in camp. Some of it's been those new additions getting opportunities. It just feels like he is going to have to really pick it up here to get back on the right side of the bubble for the 53-man roster. He's not doing a ton on special teams either right now, and he's been a good special teams player for the last couple of years. Maybe that's going to help him stay on this roster, but right now, with the emergence of those rookies and the veterans they already have in the roster that we know are surefire going to be on this football team, there's a lot of pressure on him right now. And he might be entering that area where it's going to be difficult for him to get back on the 53-man roster. It will be. It will be difficult. And, um, yeah, that, that one play where he it was a bubble screen that just got destroyed. And I think he had started off one catch for minus three yards or something like that. Um in the back of my mind, I'm like, I hope he gets another target because I would hate to finish the game with minus receiving yards. 
Um, but yeah, it's it's so much not it's been a little bit of him being quiet. And also, yeah, the infusion of talent at receiver. You know, he kind of is starting to get knocked down a couple pegs with yeah. just some of the experience and some of the stuff um, the guys they've brought in. Um, he's he's always been first team all preseason, all training camp, which is not a knock. That's great. You want those guys in your roster. Um, but this year, less so. Um, and with the the amount of guys they have in the room that are uber talented and and technical and working hard along with them, it's going to get tougher and tougher. When you're one of those players that's a fringe player, and that is not a knock on a player in the NFL. If you're somebody that's hung around for several years, most players don't do that when they come into the NFL. Penny Hart's already done more than most players that come into the league. But he is a fringe player. He's a guy that's always battling for that roster spot. He's not a cement, lock him in kind of guy. You can't be a player like that and have an average training camp, especially when there's two rookies that come in that are draft picks at your position and they do good things. The chances of you beating those players out is not good. And with the other players there, again, I'm a big Penny Hart fan. I think that he's a fantastic player. I think he belongs in the NFL roster. I just don't know at this point. I don't think he's done enough to be able to secure a spot for a third season row in the Seahawks in that receiving core. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Nick at Nick Lee 51. Check out Lockdown Seahawks on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and streaming five days a week on YouTube. Coming up on our Tuesday episode, I'll be rejoined by Rob Rang. We'll continue our coverage of Saturday's preseason opener on the defensive side of the football. Some key takeaways, including an explosive debut for Boye Mafe and a couple of other rookies for the Seahawks. And we'll also be doing three up, three down on the defensive side of the football. You won't want to miss it. Enjoy the rest of your Monday. Thanks for listening in. Go Hawks.